0: But ultimately, I was born to be in the media business. I didn't know that at the time, so if I go back to all my interests, media wasn't in there, and it developed as I went on. But that's what I was born to do, and it took me 31 years to discover that in terms of when I set up Joe, but it is what
1: I was meant meant to be. The Architects of Business on Joe, in partnership with the EY Entrepreneur of the Year programme, telling the story of Ireland's leading entrepreneurs across the island of Ireland. I am on my best behaviour right now because the boss
2: is in our guest chair today. This is the Architects of Business, Joe's weekly series of interviews with leading entrepreneurs in partnership with EY Entrepreneur of the Year. I'm Ty Gainwright and today we'll hear from Niall McGarry, the founder of Joe and its parent company Maximum Media, which makes content like this very programme across a variety of brands in Ireland and the UK. Niall knew from an early age that he
0: wouldn't be happy working for anyone else. At school, I struggled with being in the confines of a classroom for a set period of time. To this day, I struggle to go to the cinema... Because I didn't like the idea of going into a place and committing myself to it for two and a half hours. I liked the idea of getting out, doing what, making my own decisions all the time. In the early days, those heady years of the noughties, growth came easily.
2: But now we know it was for the wrong reasons.
0: Business felt easy because. There was this huge debt that was, Kind of spurious debt That was put, injected into the Irish economy Like a drug And everybody was sucking on it
2: And it was in the dark days Of the financial crisis That Niall saw the potential For a new type of media
0: It was nuts to do it in 2010. There's no doubt about that. It was nuts, but it was probably the best opportunity. I would have been talked down off the proverbial ledge several times if I if I had listened to everybody in 2010. Having
2: made Joe into a household name in Ireland, the next challenge is underway across the Irish
0: Sea. So we've gone in as this kind of like total new way of approaching media, which is so refreshing and what people are gravitating in their you know, tens of millions to because we're ignorant of class. We believe a, a young guy from Skuntorp, from a housing estate in Scunthorpe could go on to be a CEO of a company.
2: But you won't get to the top of any game without working hard.
0: The business we're in, it's very hard to switch off. We don't run a butcher shop. We can close it down Saturday evening, 6 o'clock, and not worry till Monday morning. This is digital. It's 24-7.
2: Today we'll hear Niall's thoughts on creativity, thinking big, and what comes next. Niall, uh, I suppose this had better go well for me, hadn't it? <laughs>
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I'll be watching closely. Uh,
2: you know, lots of the entrepreneurs who've been in and out of here and in and out of that chair, they kind of talk about having grown up on, on farms and all the kind of wheeling and dealing that goes with that or in, 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 in kind of country pubs and all the kind of you know yeah, yeah. the business acumen that goes with that. And they learn it all from within the family unit. I mean, yeah. is, does that go
0: for you as well? No, oh, absolutely not. My my family weren't into business at all. My dad was a postman originally, and then worked in what's now Air, but back then was Telecom Airing, and fitted phones. Very, you know, man of basic means. And my mum was was a nurse, night nurse in the hospital. Uh, worked incredibly hard. I always ring her first if I'm feeling sick. But she uh, she was a nurse, so pretty non business background. wasn't in any of my family? Probably link a lot of it to Casabar. Casabar was an entrepreneurial town when I was growing up in the 90s in Casabar, no doubt about it. Uh, a couple of great business people that were running kind of hotels and international song contests and all sorts in, in a town. And I, I probably built on that on that bull Um So Casabar, I'd say, inspired me. Uh, but wasn't in the family.
2: Were you dealing with those people who were running those enterprises? No, no, you
0: know n- no, not really. No, just was aware of it. Everyone was aware that Kassabar was kind of punching well above its weight as a town, uh, you know, similar in size to Tullamore, Mullingar and these places. Whereas back then there was genuinely... Um, small airport. It just had different things and I really kind of got excited by... Not like... I suppose I probably felt like when I'm over in London even with the teams I still kind of refer to myself as urban. I was born in a large urban area which they find <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> but it stuck with me and uh, yeah, I kind of felt Casabar was different to other parts of me I'll put it that way.
2: Okay, fair enough. And you very much dived into that wheeler dealing scene yourself L- like a lot of the people who've been in and out of that chair buying and selling in your uh, younger years
0: Yeah as a teenager absolutely I was I definitely got into business I don't know where it happened 12, 13, 14 big in football all that big in sport but was interested in business probably more so than school um, I was still you know fine did well at school enjoyed it but I was look, I was always looking at you know how can How can I build a business? I think I was watching some UK TV show that was on at the time and there was some... Guy in it who was running the business, and I was like, "Oh, fancy!" But I hate a mobile phone and stuff like that. And this was like the early nineties. Wasn't was dumb like, jolly, was it? <laughs> no, but well, phone is about the same size. <laughs> but uh, so no, I yeah, I got into a lot of different things. I had a car park for conic kind of finals, just opened kind of a couple of the fields around the area, um, and I sold fireworks at various stages. Used to come up to Dublin, the bangers, rockets, and air bombs, and wow, bring them down. All the guards aren't listening. Oh I think we're we're square. Statue of limitations. Stage. We're square, at, this we're stage. at this stage. Um, uh, sold pumpkins, yeah. My dad grew was in. He was into gardening as well as a hobby. So I was selling pumpkins, uh, landscaping. So I was in business with two other guys. They did most of the work. I did the marketing, right in the back, in the back office. And uh, yeah, that. So a combination of marketing, entrepreneurship. These are some of the things that kind of filled my teenage years.
2: Do you think it was ever in in a plan for you to be working for someone else?
0: No, most certainly not. I knew that at an early age. Uh, I, again, I don't, I don't think I dealt overtly well with authority. At school, I struggled with being in the confines of a classroom for a set period of time. To this day, I struggle to go to the cinema because I didn't like the idea of going into a place and committing myself to it for two and a half hours. It's bizarre, it's weird, but I think that's where the roots of this thing came from. So I like the idea of getting out, doing what, making my own decisions all the time. And. Um, so that, uh, there's definitely a, a germ of, of something in that in terms of, for my path to entrepreneurship, I like to just set my own rules. So, I mean, it sounds like school was perhaps not a great fit for you. Um, it was fine. I was very good at English. Uh, I stand over the fact that anyone listening that's going through school, English is the, without the, the most beneficial subject in terms of furthering your career through being a business owner or any walk of life. And able to communicate with people is top of the tree in terms of my priorities, what I took from school you know math for me is can you add multiply subtract fight yes can you do it quicker must people yes do i need to know algebra absolutely not so anything that's of no use to me or something i don't find interesting i struggle with so i liked history i liked geography i liked english uh didn't get to do business studies unfortunately i got to, i picked it but i didn't get it uh in school so a lot of subjects i was doing like chemistry biology i just had no interest in and if i'm no interest in something i'm no good at it. that's you, that's to this day the same were you well behaved uh, moderately yeah. moderately uh, yeah I was a bit of a I was a bit of a messer I was a bit of a messer definitely um, I like having I like having fun with people I like having the crack as they say uh, I always say that in the UK they, their version their version of is banter which I can't stand so I'm using <laughs> the bounce. crack Top yeah exactly I'm using the crack more than ever these days as a phrase <laughs> which obviously takes a bit of explaining in London but no I liked I do like messing I, like, I liked that I, I like that aspect of school obviously because you're in with the lads and you're having fun um, and there's a time where that needs to stop. I mean, I would encourage. I want my young fellow Max to do well in school and be well behaved, but I want him to have a personality too. So I was, I was definitely more of a messer. Do you think? I mean, and
2: you're probably still, you know, in touch with them. Castlebar is not a huge town, but any of your teachers Serban. or people you went to at uh, school with, are they? Are they surprised or not surprised by what you've built?
0: Um, all my friends, I mean, everyone from class knows of me. I mean, in Castlebar, I can't go home without people shouting Joe, that Joe. They're not shouting K." but it's just Joe. That's what they shout at me. I wish they shouted her occasionally as well, <laughs> but that might be a bit strange. But um, no, everyone in town, uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, it, I, from what I've heard, people in Castlebar are as proud of Joe and her than a lot of people from Cork are of, of, of uh, Barry's Tea, etc. It has that feeling of fact that people of Mayo have claimed it and I'm kind of happy with that but as regards teachers, I'd say they're all retired now at this stage. Definitely there will be surprise. I don't think there's any doubt about that. I, 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 look, it was the classical school report of, you know, Niall, he could try a bit harder. He's bright but he could try a bit harder. And I think... I think, that's the, I think that was the case. So uh, if I applied myself, but I just, I, you know, the curriculum as it was, and it hasn't changed enough. It doesn't challenge people.
2: And you're probably learning more in the outside world doing
0: your, your various bits and pieces, being landscaping or whatever. Possibly, but I don't know. I was like, concerned as a teenager of learning. Like, I, You know, again, this kind of, it's important. That didn't come from my parents. It probably came from my mom because she's rock solid, but that didn't come from anything that I need to learn every single day. Like I'm a sponge. I and mean, some people are like, if if they feel they're not learning on any given day. You know, people do degree courses and do, you know, uh, they go back to college, they learn and they constantly do BAs and stuff like that. that that's just not for me. But you
2: but were working hard. I mean, like you were at school but then you are also, you know, doing Yeah, parts absolutely. And and I, I had
0: good values and what have you. But I didn't, I wasn't obsessed with the idea of needing to learn. I wa- Was I learning through... Osmosis, probably, you know, of course. But uh, I wasn't obsessed with it to the point that, we'll say, some of the more academically minded kids in, in my school were.
2: Yeah, you pursued an academic career. You were seeing there, you know, with the landscaping business, you were in the back office doing the marketing. Yeah, you weren't yeah. Really yeah. out there, kind of <laughs> mowing grass or whatever. No. Um. You know, I remember whenever I was at school and looking forward into, you know, wondering what the hell am I going to do at college, uh, and you'd see marketing, and I didn't actually know what marketing meant. I was like, mm. what exactly does that mean? Yeah, yeah.
0: Did, yeah. did you know? What yeah, it no, I did. I did advertising. I, I I was interested in advertising. Was in the power of brands selling messages. Again, obviously. As a aspiring business person, I could see that, like the, you know, the idea of building you know interest in something or building a brand is a key factor in, in more more people buying. And I think that stands to this given day in that you know marketing obviously have a vested interest because we make our money from advertising. But ultimately, the most successful brands in the world all have a top class marketing strategy. So it was something I was interested in from a very very early age. I went on to do marketing in in Limerick. And um, yeah, it, it, it's. I think it's a core function of business, being able to build a brand because ultimately that's what I've been doing all my business career thus thus far. Did you learn much at Limerick? Uh, uh, I met Shane Foylan, who's in Westlife. He was in my class. That's not. That doesn't answer my question. That's probably. <laughs> that's probably. All I learned using the boy band. <laughs> Uh Did I learn anything? I learned a certain amount. Yeah. I mean, what I'll find is that what's taught in a four-year degree course in marketing. Uh, compared to what people learn when they go into the Diageos of this world or they go into the big drinks companies, is a totally different kettle of fish. The top-level marketeers all have to do a huge amount further, which usually comes from the big the big corporates, the big international companies. So I got a basis in it. Yeah, absolutely. But um, I learned about life in Limerick as well. Like That was a big, big thing for me because obviously I'd come from what I felt was a was a you know a big town and I knew everything. And I went down to Limerick, didn't know anybody going down there. I made friends was thrown into a student accommodation where there was 10 other guys in the place on the very first night we all had to go to the pub together we all had to get on so all of a sudden I started building out some lifetime relationships from then so I learned about life yeah I got a certain amount obviously from college um, but I, I learned more about how to live and how to fend for myself in, in and how to forge
2: relationships and forge
0: relationships yeah which is vital
2: what about those you know skills in, in, in building a company taking it just from you know a mom and pop operation or something that's just you yeah. and turn it into something bigger because you know Maximum Media has been on the scene for for a good while now but it still has grown really really quickly yeah. and at a pace that would kind of intimidate some people kind of starting out they'd say well listen how do I get money for this and yeah, yeah. how do I actually hire someone is that yeah, yeah. the kind of thing you learned at college or did you learn that just by, by the act of doing
0: I, it I think that stuff comes very very instinctively to people I think I'm definitely one of these people who think that an awful lot of the core skills and how to scale how to build a business having an instinct for your industry um, comes naturally comes from the womb potentially it comes very very naturally again I feel like building relationships definitely happened in my college years and subsequently the power and importance of building relationships and getting people to do things for you and getting a team to get on side with you and believe in what you want to do and the vision you're trying to create but ultimately I was born to be in the media business I didn't know that at the time so if I go back to all my interests media wasn't in there and it developed as I went on it developed probably even more laterally after I launched I in 2010 the idea of how to run a media business and what I wanted to achieve but I've 100% taken to that like that's what I was born to do and it took me 31 years to discover that in terms of when I set up Joe um, but it 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 is it is what I was meant meant to be. A media was your first job, post university. Yeah, it was, it was. But I was obviously on the on the advertising sales side of it. You so worked for a newspaper in Galway, isn't work, that right? worked for a newspaper in Galway. Yeah, I just saw an ad in the paper for an advertising sales executive. I thought, you know, that's a corollary of marketing advertising. So let's go for that. You know, I came out obviously into a booming economy, although it didn't seem like that in the west of Ireland. You know, jobs were tough enough to come by. I actually, I have said this many times. I actually didn't want to go to Dublin. I haven't been a Mayo football fan, and lots of uncomfortable afternoons spent uh, with Mayo losing semi-finals and finals. I never really gravitated towards Dublin um, at, at that stage of my of my career. So I liked the idea of Galway. Again, it was you know it's a, it, it was uh, ironically it was the fastest growing city in Europe at the time. Obviously, all built on spurious kind of credit and housing boom. But Galway was where I was where I went there first to work in newspaper. Lots, lots of people,
2: lots of people from outside of Dublin don't like Dublin. Plenty of people from Dublin probably don't much like it either. Uh, equally, there's <laughs> lots who love it too, myself included. But. You know, for some people, it's not actually a choice.
0: Yeah, of course, um, yeah. I always felt I had I had a choice where I wanted to go. And what I would caveat that is, that I like Dublin now a lot. I really like Dublin. I love when the UK team come over. I'm proud of Dublin as much as I'm proud of of Mayo. But at the time, and as I said it was just genuinely from. It just always seemed it just coincided with me having lots of bad experiences, which came from sport through through being a fan of, of Mayo football. Um, but yeah, it's an amazing city. But I always felt I had my ch- I always had choices. And again, I don't know where that came from. That was not from family wealth. I was not born into family wealth. But ultimately, I felt I could fend for myself and and forge a future wherever I was best. Now, subsequently, you know, I realised that I was born in a, a a goldfish bowl. I moved to a slightly larger one. Then I got to Dublin and now we're talking, you know, aquarium. Uh, and now we're up to the... the, the, the what's, lo-
2: what's bigger than an aquarium?
0: Uh, the ocean of London <laughs> and the ocean of the wider world. So, uh, you know, I am aware that as I shifted from all these di- into these different areas that I would say i probably hone my skill set. So if I was to go back, would I do it the exact same? I think I would because I honed my skill set in a small micro economy like Galway when I set up my first business.
2: Well, uh, you know... That business, um, impact media yeah. uh, just a year after you finished college, isn't that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean like you were there you took the job in the newspaper. Yeah. And is that where you kinda of saw the ingredients for that first business? Yeah,
0: right? absolutely. So I was dealing with lots of business owners in Galway who, you know, at the time were spending ridiculous amounts of money on advertising and they didn't realise it. So I often go to some of my clients and go do you know how much you're spending on advertising and one client in particular a guy called Joe Carl who owned a music store called Zhivago there was five of them in Galway at the time he uh, music stores existed back then believe it or not Uh, this is around 2002 2003 and um, he has spent 120 grand on on advertising and I said Imagine if you planned that. He had no idea what the results because he he would ring me on a Tuesday and try and get an ad in the paper on a Wednesday morning. The ad would be in the back of the paper. It would look shit. It would have no brand strategy. uh, And ultimately, the results would be poor. And I said, Joe, look, if we sit down and we planned out this hundred and twenty grand. I'll take, you know, 15% and I guarantee I'll get more advertising, but I'll make sure that the posters in your window, the newspaper ads in in, in the paper and the radio ads will all have a commonality in terms of theme. And that's that's what we impact media started. Why totally did it started. take you to say that to to Joe? I mean, why was there not somebody else saying that to Joe already? Because it's like everything. Why? why where do business opportunities come from? There's always somebody not doing something, and I was straight in there and so spotted the gap. And again, that's a huge part of business. Like a lot of people who go like. I'll do this thing that someone else is doing I'll do it better. Uh, You're better off if you can find gaps that are completely there to be exploited and then do them as well as you can. But get so far out in front of people that people find it hard to catch you. So why wasn't there anybody? That's business. That's the opportunity.
1: Hmm.
2: And you saw that within a year. Uh, So how did you start building what became or what was impact, um, which ultimately led you to, to maximum?
0: Yeah, so ultimately uh, I had a lot of clients kind of lined up before I left my job, finished and, and go independent, which is now defunct, sadly, where I was working. And... Um, I had a lot of clients lined up and said, look, I'm going to charge you a retainer fee. I'm going to, we're going to manage your marketing and we're going to design your brochures and your TV, or sorry, your uh, newspaper ads and write your radio ads and so on and so forth. There was a gap for a kind of a marketing agency, advertising agency in the West of Ireland. Um, and I think, yeah, I had a good number of clients lined up and then I built that quickly. Then we moved into brochures because, again, there was so many housing... Developments that needed brochures, developers were doing well, they paid well at the time and we got into that and then we started building websites for brands. Like, I mean, that was just a ocean of opportunity, if we go back to the water uh, motif again, it, because, um, you know, everyone was transitioning, digital was becoming a thing, online was becoming a thing. I mean, we're still dealing with dial-ups at home, but people at work in offices now had DSL kind of facility broadband level so it wasn't too bad people were kind of able to use the internet to a decent this is around 2005 2006 so I was like straight in on that we brought in web designers and web developers built that and then we grew up the business to quite a sizable amount uh, maybe 22 staff uh, returning maybe one and a half million fees I was in my 20s driving a nice car it all felt very good it felt easy I've talked about this before as well it felt easy business felt easy because there was this huge as I said you know uh debt that would, kind of spurious debt that was put, injected into the Irish economy like a drug and everybody was sucking on it and like it was, from our perspective our business took advantage of that we didn't knowingly know what was going on I wasn't reading uh, the Financial Times to see about this impen- impending collapse but you know we, I, I genuinely thought business was easy The thing I find interesting though about
2: about that aspect of the story is that you know there was uh, the man from Zhivago spending 120 grand on advertising and not getting the right value from it uh, you know would that have happened if he had a few music shops in, in, in Dublin I wonder was were you filling the gap that basically you know there wasn't that sophisticated ad pro- advertising product available locally uh, in, in the West
0: um, no, I don't think so I mean I think I think what we were trying to do was bring a consistency to his messaging he had no consistency and if you look at all the big global brands even if we think of classic ads from the 70s 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s these classic TV ads so all the top global brands have a strategy when it comes to marketing why not apply it to local businesses that essentially was was my pitch to people um, at the time, I was the creative head. I was the sales guy. I was the copywriter. I was doing everything. And again, this is where I felt that talent. So that being going back to school, that, that ability to, 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 to understand and speak and comprehend the English language actually allied to a creativity which again as I said they don't find they don't get creativity out of you in school there's not enough ways and mechanisms to get creativity out of creative people I had that in abundance and I was able to pour it out onto a page so we were doing ads for go taxi companies like for uh, go taxis and uh, you know I had a, a full page ad in the newspaper the top picture was go to work in a three-piece and there's a guy in a three-piece suit going to work and then there was like um, Go out in a two-piece, so with the jacket off, and now he's out socialising. But get home in one piece, and it was like we go with taxis, and it was just that kind of stuff. That creativity kind of just flew out of my brain and got it down the page, and we're able to make money out of it. Is it? Is it? Is
2: there a danger of being a bit unfair on on schools in terms of how they kind of foster that creativity? I mean, how how do you go about it?
0: How should they, in your view, be going about it? I think the whole thing needs to be started from scratch. I mean, look, don't get me wrong. There's a fundamental goodness in a lot of things that we grew up in Ireland, right? There's a fundamental goodness in being born and raised a Catholic, right? There's a goodness in that you learn Ten Commandments, for instance. There's a, there's a good basis to all that. What's happened is the Catholic Church have driven people away from religion because of the abhorrent way that they ran their society and their, their group. If you look at the school system, there's a, there's a common basis of good, solid education, at school, right? So every Irish person benefits from that compared to an awful lot of global countries. Don't get me wrong. But specialisation at secondary school is vital and there's not enough done of it. So I would look there at, you know, bringing in an awful lot of genuine specialists into a variety of different areas. And I would also say that, you know, eight subjects is just too tight or eight or ten, too tight a sphere. I mean, there's people who could come into me and they could work in social media all their lives. Nothing from... School is going to help them in that. And so I think we have to catch up with the pace at which technology is changing the world and I think that's a that's a big big change but part be it for me I would need two hours to explain the rest of my thoughts <laughs> We haven't I've got that it. long
2: uh, <laughs> Niall no, stick around because still to come on the Architects of Business we'll hear about the beginnings of Joe and the growing family of Maximum Media Brands
1: You're listening to the Architects of Business on Joe in partnership with EY Entrepreneur of the Year visit EOY.ie to find out more about the programme and this year's finalists Get in touch, mail us on the architects of business at joe.ie. So now, where
0: did you get the vision for from Joe? Um, so, around 2008, 2009, as I mentioned, broadband was becoming more and more of a thing. People were starting to get their homes, they were moving away from the old, you know, dial up connection speeds slowly. I mean, you know, it was slowly. And then i also saw that a couple of my mates had smartphones. You know the original iPhone and so on and so forth, and I was kind of going, "Wow, this is really going to." Because you know, there's a lot, of, been a lot of false stones in digital, right? So if you look at Blackberries, Blackberries were at the original iterations of Blackberries, they were going to revolutionise and we we're going to get the internet if your phone. You actually tried it, and it was just terrible user experience. So the smartphone revolution was there, and I kind of felt right. There's an opportunity here to create something digital. But the first idea, the first part of the journey, came from that I <clears throat> was looking at a lot of brands globally who um, needed to talk to, you know, glo- sorry, international brands that were talking to an Irish audience and they wanted to talk to men exclusively, who would they use? So you know, essentially it was like red top newspapers and I it wouldn't have necessarily felt that was a great experience for them. So I kind of felt it's an opportunity here to create something for Maine. So the Heinekens and Jamesons and the you know, Dove for Men's and Lynx is this world. I want to talk more exclusively to men than women. Um, There's an opportunity to create a brand in that space and it was going to be digital because I was never going to create a magazine. I mean, this is 2009, 2010. What I've made more money in the early days... In 2010, when we launched from the magazine, probably because people would have understood it. As I said, digital was in a strange way in Ireland in that state. It, 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 yes, there was broadband in people's homes, but the actual market was, was really, really poor.
2: Some people find it perhaps strange, though, that here you have you know, you are an ad man and an ad salesman. Uh, creating a journalistic product. And did that ever feel like a, a little bit of a mismatch to you? No,
0: because I only did ad sales for a year. Um, ultimately, I'm I'm one of these people that everybody hiring expertise. You, can't, you can go into any one area. I was reading a lot of The Guardian at the time. The Guardian had a very, very good way of covering sport. They used to do things like small talk or they used to do things like their transfer rumour mill was like really, really funny. And a lot of the tone and wit um, that I that we were getting from that, I was like, you know, oh my god, I want that's exactly the tone of Joe. So, for instance, if it was, you know, th- some of the dummy home uh, pages of of Joe, it was like, you know, an interview with Ron Nagara and it was like Ron Nagara on Ireland Six Nation chances, Munster strategy, and what he really thinks of lampshades. There was always like a, a twist in the in the in the in the personality. So again, I was, and I'm I'm a fussy person, so I only like certain things, I only like certain types of content, certain like types of TV show. So. I tried to do that at the start and try and, you know, can this can this product satisfy this fussy person in me? Ultimately, you know, we got off to a decent start. Could we got off to a better start? Absolutely. Did I have a bag of cash? No, because it was 2010. I mean, I can't, and Ireland was Chernobyl esque in terms of economic uh, potential. Then it was and, it was and, a waste. And wasteland. media,
2: kind of, you know, the ad market will have had the arse falling out of it. and Absolutely. you are launching, uh, you know, a new internet content brand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, so I was people running, saying you
0: were nuts. I was running Impact Media at the time, and I kind of had this saying in my head: like I need to start dealing with the O2s of this world rather than the O tools, um, because at the time the O tools weren't paying me. It was that simple, and I was good at building brands. So when I go back to Impact Media. Impact Media. I'd go into the supermarket in Galway and the grandmother is behind the counter working there Would know me from the paper because I was good at building the impact media brand. But ultimately it was a business to business marketing company which she couldn't really benefit from or she, her knowing it couldn't benefit me. So I said, I need to build a proper brand. So I was able to kind of ally my skill sets and building a proper brand, which is what we've done. And then I had a very, very good understanding of, of what content was going to work. But it was nuts to do it in 2010. There's no doubt about that. But but it's worked. But yeah, but it was nuts. But it was probably the best opportunity. But so, everybody so those said. those people
2: it. who told you it was nuts were they, were they were they? I mean, they were they were wrong. You're kind of saying they're unashamedly they were right. wrong.
0: <laughs> but like that, I think every entrepreneur will tell you. you you know you can look. You know, a lot of people ask me about mentorship and this and that. And the other I am someone who you know I seek the counsel of certain people at certain times. But ultimately, if you're not able to make that decision, come hell or high water, yourself, you're in trouble. And I was not going to listen to anybody. I would have been talked down off. The proverbial ledge several times if I if I had listened to everybody in 2010, and I would have missed out on what is a, a, a life changing opportunity. Have of you uh, taken
2: any joy in, in kind of going back and seeing those people again and not, saying? Well, not
0: really. I mean, I said there was <laughs> too many. On. No, no, no. I, I'd love to see some goss, I, and I, I wouldn't be someone to to rub it in people's faces. But yeah, there was people. But look, they did it. They did it from a good place. Like they didn't do it out of badness. They did it from a. Are you mad? This is you're taking on too much? Because at the time I said I was running a business which was struggling to stay above water. Because because people were struggling to pay us, was
2: well, it hard to be taken seriously
0: though? Because you
2: know Ireland certainly historically was a, a relatively conservative market, particularly when it comes to its media. Like it likes its big name newspapers, it likes its big name broadcasters. It's kind of hard sometimes for an upstart to to make an impact.
0: Oh yeah, I mean I would say we're only in the recent year shaking the upstart nature. Like I mean the upstart nature of our business is something that I hold as one of our brand values. But it probably took years to really shake that. I mean, there's an absolute outward classism uh, in, in, in Dublin media circles. To have a, a brat coming up from Mayo through Galway into Dublin to create something that has an aspiration by 2022 to be the most influential media organisation in the country is absolutely goes against the grain. And it upsets people and I upset people and I have to get over that and I have to accept that. So, yeah, I mean, there's definitely, definitely a challenge in that. Um, and it's something that I, I think we continually kick back against and we're proving people wrong all the time but I'm used to that. Do
2: you remember the first time when perhaps you you know sensed respect from some of the more established players?
0: Yeah to be fair to be fair I have yeah there, there, there is I mean I said uh, I think a lot of people would like to have seen us fall on their sword because we came in ultimately and you know there was a lot of weird instances a lot of people didn't believe in the future of digital like in 2010 whereas I had to believe in the future of digital because one of the biggest things for us is we don't, we weren't, a, we didn't have a heritage print title, heritage newspaper or magazine brand. So we were held for leather in digital. And that was, the, that was, that is proven to be the best course of action for anybody.
2: But you're also unencumbered by the the, the, the legacy costs of having that print publication or perhaps having some uh, people on staff from a bygone age of journalism oh, where totally. actually people earned actually a lot of money in it.
0: Totally. No, I understand that. And I, but I, but I also see the fact that because the, this print publication or whatever is then ra- the noose around people's necks that because it costs so much, they have to keep focusing on it. So they're in this kind of constant groundhog scenario where they've constantly to focus on the thing that costs them too much. But what we've done is just have the had the ability to be able to go off and just focus on digital and digital only. So I, I do take that on board and I do understand that but um, obviously that's been advantageous for us to be in that position. Does that
2: make growing easier, that kind of lack of being encumbered by uh, oh, you know, massively, an old newspa- yeah. a, a, a newspaper format that would have whatever it is, 24, 36 pages and nothing more?
0: Yeah, no it does. It makes growing an awful lot easier because we all know what we're doing. So when we launched Her. I two years after we launched Joe, we were able to build a social audience in that very, very Quickly, because obviously building large-scale social audiences has been crucial to our success. That's why we dropped the .ie's from our brands. Where Joe and her, her family sports show uh, in the UK, were known as Joe. We're not known. The, the domains have become less relevant. We're not websites anymore. We're distributed media businesses. So when we launched her in 2012, we were able to build a social audience much quicker because we understood in that two years how to do that. So we were able to launch her quicker. We were able, like, again, you know, we'll talk about the idea for Joe, was a gap in the market for men. But when I when I looked at the female market, none of the magazines had gravitated towards online. To this day, they don't have huge online offerings because they have got a magazine product. So we went and launched it and her. has been a runaway success. And um, I wanted to create an archipelago of brands rather than just be one island. And then we took Sport off Joe in 2014 because you know, the new cycle of sport is so incessant that if you're targeting men, you'll end up doing a lot of sport. Now, obviously, you know, it's men and women these days and you'll see that sports show is evolving to kind of cover the female game just as much as the the male game. But in 2014, talking to men, it was just taking up our entire agenda. So we want to talk about politics, talk about current affairs, we want to talk about loads of other things. We took sport out and built a separate vertical for that.
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, in this whole, you know, climate of hashtag me too, maybe not quite that scandal, but... You know, is is it a bit reductive to actually kind of separate out audiences into to men and women in the way that you guys have?
0: Yeah, no, it's an interesting point. It's Something that I would say we're probably analysing. I would say that Joe has moved to um, a media brand that is gender neutral but has a male bias, maybe in some of the uh, you know the, the the areas of content that it covers. So there absolutely is. Do I think there is a place from a female perspective to have? Um, I don't want to say their own space, but to have content that's just for the female market. I think that has a long life ahead of it. You know, a lot of people ask, why is there such a thing as International Women's Day? Why isn't there International Men's Day? And you go, well, the reason there's International Women's Day is we're you know, celebrating or, sorry, acknowledging the persecution that women have suffered at every walk of life and every level. So it exists for a reason. And I think that there's still an idea where her can be just for women. Can guys go there? Absolutely. But is it going to cover specifically things that are, women are, you know engineer to be more interested in. Yes, and, but but I do think Joe, Joe always had a female, fairly heavy female audience. I mean, at the moment, it's probably 60, 40 male, female. And if you look at what we've done as we've gone over the years, we haven't objectified the female forum. We haven't done a huge amount of that. Uh, you know, it's, it's uh, so, so we're, we're watching that whole space. It's important for, I mean, you know, you set
2: yourselves up as, as a website target or as a service targeted at, you know, originally targeted at young men, and there is a, perhaps a some people would have a negative stereotype about what young men are into. Yeah. I'm sure you would disagree with that stereotype.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And indeed, I know a lot of the content that Joe does is aimed at kind of shattering those stereotypes. And yeah, yeah. it's quite uh, metrosexual, really, isn't it? Yeah, well, and, and, and do you think you're, you're kind of trying to give leadership there almost? Yeah, I
0: mean, obviously, you know, if we, if we boil it all down, you know, it's a business. But then on the other side, what's the opportunity to do good? So, yeah, I mean, we've taken, you know, we took a leading role in the education and awareness and uh, creation of awareness around consent. Long before there was uh, yeah, juries and, and, and court cases about this last year. Back as 2014, 2015, you know, we took a heavy stand on that because we need to educate young men. So there's obviously good that we can do. So we obviously promote... um you know, we promote the idea of people being friends with different se- people with different sexual orientations, people of different ethnic backgrounds. Um, that a guy nowadays should just be a normal guy who respects people for what they are, treats everything as merits. We bash stereotypes, and that's, I think, that's important, and that's been a huge but benefit. Stereotypes for Stereotypes are rooted, in fact.
2: And well, I, mean, I wonder, did you, was there ever a meeting where you sat down and kind of said, do you know, something? Do we need to do a bit more page three? Oh,
0: absolutely. no, no, no. I mean, hold on a second. Stereotypes. Are we, in fact, on the basis of, were we born into a misogynistic society? Absolutely. Page three only left the sun in 2014, 2015. Like, this is how ludicrously recently. was that? I think it's back. I don't, don't, as far as I'm aware, it's not. But as recently as that. So we live, we've, look, I wouldn't be surprised the way some elements of the world are going if it was back. But ultimately, no, I mean, men are changing. Can we help change men faster? Absolutely. So the stereotypes that are that, that this alleged kind of misogynistic roots of every young guy is born to kind of see women as sex objects, we can change that. But that's changing naturally as we become a more progressive society. You know, if we were sitting here in 2015, we'd be talking about uh, progression liberalism to the cows come home. Obviously, some very worrying trends. I'd like to think that there's some corruption at play that has led to some of those worrying trends like Brexit, like Trump's, and that rise of populism. Let's just hope we, the whole entire human race hasn't lost the plot here, or a large percentage of them. And I do think we will see that in due Time course. Time will tell. Time will tell.
2: Uh, talking about Brexit, uh, cracking the UK.
0: Um, you entered the UK, when was it exactly? Uh, 2015, early 2015 uh-huh. had uh, bought, bought the domain as, it, as we were then as a website in 2014 and I remember sending out a tweet saying just bought Joe.co.uk and got a huge reaction of positivity ground sort of positivity so we've obviously set up the UK for UK guys and girls in a lot of cases now um, <clears throat> but it's not like i think some people had a misperception it's we're tar- targeting the irish expat community so it was never that was never the play it was ultimately to try and create there was no sam.co.uk there wasn't a clean cut brand and i say clean cut i.e. that didn't delve in and out of misogyny and and dodgy content and um Whereas there was in the UK. So we went in with a very smart brand. We started the Irish brand at a much higher base. We had more money to invest. Like we started the Irish company with a small bank loan. We started the UK business with, you know, four years of profitability in the Irish business So uh, and finance. So we were able to hire, I think, a better calibre of, of, of journalists from the very, very beginning to such an extent that I would say Joe in the UK's perception values are significantly higher than the Irish brand, which is still kind of half trying to shake off its West of Ireland upstart roots. Believe it or not, in a perverse type of way. Uh,
2: but is it you know it's a different dynamic in the UK as well because you've gone in there. Trying to challenge a number of established players in that field, you know, yeah. there's a there's a buzz, feed, a localised Buzzfeed there, there's a Huffington Post there, yeah, yeah. you know, in Ireland you you kind of had the that kind of upstart, um, you know, news website feel to
0: your yeah, to not look in Ireland we un- undoubtedly filled a very very clear gap. I go back to the we go back to the creation of Impact Media was a clear gap. There's an absolute screaming gap in in Ireland. There's a huge gap in the UK. It's what people don't see. The UK is the home of the English language. Yet its media scene Is archaic Beyond belief And like I have been Sitting there In the UK Satisfyingly Trying to create To drive a bus Or a bus Through the huge gap In the market That was left On the male, on the male side For instance Because what you had is You had uh, Some titles are aimed At lad ladism And lad culture Now ladism I could have been a lad When I was in school to, to, to go back to that That's a stage of life You go through Do you want your dad To be a lad Do you want to grow up To be a lad Do you want to get married To a lad No So laddism is not cool and for me it's a stage of life that sadly a lot of young men still go through but it's not where where men the modern British man so our whole thing is we went in very we're ignorant to class and again that's an advantage because I came from West of Ireland background where to me everyone was the same class going over to the UK where you have a class structure that is out of date but it affects every single media operation in the UK so we've gone in as this kind of like total new way of approaching media which is so refreshing is what people are gravitating in their you know tens of millions to uh, on a monthly basis to our platforms because we're ignorant of class we believe a, a young guy from Scunthorpe from a housing estate in Scunthorpe could go on to be a CEO of a company because that's the way that's the way it should be it should indeed let's park Joe and go back
2: to Niall what do you think you're like as a boss?
0: Ah, oh, geez. I mean, you know, I like to think I'm fairly sound, but I don't <laughs> think everyone thinks that. I've got to accept that. I mean, uh, the big challenge for me is we have almost 200 staff across two countries now, three offices: Manchester, London, and and, Go- and Dublin. And i I live in Galway, so I'm not hands on, um, and I'm not micromanaging. What I what I try and do is lead by example I probably find that's the the easiest thing to do so if we need to win a big brand uh, or try and land a big brand here I like to get out and get in on that myself and lead by example Um, I think that I think a lot of my team a lot of my senior team really 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 buy into me and buy into my beliefs and what I'm trying to do and what I'm trying to achieve because there's undoubtedly a vision there I mean people can say what they want there's undoubtedly a vision there does everyone buy into it that i have had it working for me over the last eight or nine years no and can you make them no because there's only going to be a certain amount of people at any organisation that will believe in what the leader is saying and that's the reality of it
2: do you you believe in making room or keeping room open for people who maybe disagree with your vision
0: oh absolutely in our business oh Yeah. yeah absolutely um I think have joked before about the idea of like, in business, I like to run a benign dictatorship. <laughs> and what, what I mean by that is I believe that ultimately on certain key decisions... It's better to be in a situation where one person can make that decision. I think that leads to better business practice. We have seen, you know, as recently as two thousand and sixteen in the UK, where democracy can can lead. Democracy is flawed. Dictatorships are flawed, obviously. So what I do is we see a lot. Mo- most day to day decisions are taken by my senior management team. Most bad stuff that happens in the company is kept from me. Like I don't need to know everything. If I if I got to know everything, I would self. Implode. So well, in you don't or-
2: need to know that the Wi is broken.
0: No, no, no. But like, you know, there's more serious things like that, <laughs> that that they can be kept from me. And then, obviously, then if it, if it de- does get to me, I can kind of go, "Why didn't I know earlier?" But ultimately people a lot of the team I have you know the senior people are really really good I believe in them they believe in me it's a good two way street um, I believe that there's a work ethic needed to to, to succeed in business um, and again I try and find people that have that work ethic but like, I'm not on the ground recruiting people which has been a challenge because in the early days I recruited a huge amount of people and can I get it wrong like everyone else absolutely but I always feel like I can come back to myself but recruitment is crucial because you know our business is so built around the individuals that we bring in it's built around the individuals and if you're getting an A A plus in terms of their ability to do their job then you know they're going to do that they're going to bring that standard If if you bring in a D and that's the standard you're going to have. That's the standard your client's going to feel. Are you working as hard as you always were? Yeah, the scary thing is I would say I'm working way harder in the last 18 months than it was three years before that. And that comes with the expansion into the UK. That comes from the opportunity that presents itself in the UK.
2: You were mentioning, though, the impact that your little boy Max has had in your life. Yeah. yeah. Has he made you, I suppose, set more time aside for, for him?
0: Yeah, well ultimately I've got a good balance on that living in Galway and then maybe three days in London a week it sets a good balance so you know the reason I live in Galway is because of Max you know ultimately that's where I want him to be brought up so I've made those decisions to hop on a plane uh, at half six on a on a on a Wednesday morning or a Tuesday morning, and fly out of Shannon, uh, which is you know more difficult in the middle of November than it was in the middle of June. But ultimately, yeah, no, I get plenty of time outside of work. But in terms of the business we're in, it's very hard to switch off. We don't run a butcher shop; we can close it down Saturday evening six o'clock and not worry till Monday morning. This is digital; it's twenty four seven there's always somebody we're going to piss off, you know, from from an end user perspective and there's loads of people we're going to make happy but ultimately we are, you know, we leave ourselves open, we're open 24 hours a day, seven days a week to people at any country in the world. So it's hard to switch The, the,
2: the audience is, is there 24 hours a day, but it's not always the same members of the audience, though, is it? I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's taken in shifts. And I, I just wonder if you kind of, what you think about the importance of actually taking some downtime. And we've had people in that chair who talk about having worked 16, 17, 18 hours a day when it comes to the, the really intense points. And they say they actually, they regret that. They weren't getting the best version of themselves.
0: Yeah, no, it's, so, it's very something to be mindful of. I feel like, you know, I'm relatively young enough to to still be able to see that I'm on a journey. I'm um, obviously nine years in in Ireland. We've built the Irish business into a, a phenomenal business at this stage. We, we we do control a large degree of the market and a large part of the market, whether people like to accept it or admit it or not. And I think there's an exciting journey to see out in Ireland. Um, as an entrepreneur, do I want to go and do other things at some stage? Potentially, but we're on a journey. The UK has a lot longer uh, lifespan to run in terms of it's three years in. One of the biggest challenges I have is that Irish business is nine years old the UK is three years one is in absolute ridiculous growth phase and the other one is in slightly more maturing phase and that presents different challenges and different uh, excitements and ob- I'm obviously more drawn to where's the upward curve but I-, I get plenty time to unwind got married last year and I said you know probably having children next year again and going back in and Max's Nine, so you know, it'll be that'll be a step back. So I I will have to make time. But what I'm on right now is working hard to build a future for for all of those people and my own family. So you've got,
2: I won't call it an upward slog, but a lot, a long way to go in achieving your goals in the UK. Yeah, are are you going to go any further than the UK?
0: Um, yes, we are. We've, we've got a couple of brands that we're going to bring internationally, but our, the business model has moved, the market has moved. We, do we see ourselves going into 22 countries with, with a replica of, of the Irish business or the UK business? No, because that's not where the market is. You can't grow social audiences at the same rate of growth you used to be able to grow them, that opportunity. And again, I think that you know our business model has been get into a market get profitable and then move but that takes 3 years to get profitable and we're we've no private equity and uh, backing but we we're going to take our, our football Joe brand international and that is an opportunity and an opportunity to build that from London because the UK is the home again of of, of football and we want to build a rugby Joe brand and bring that international as well. So we, we're going to bring two or three elements of the Joe brand international. We might bring her across to the UK. That's something that we're looking at. But the UK is such a big market. We've so much more drilling of that well to do that. You know, I'm not looking too further than that. Are you
2: saying that the you know if you have if you have an idea for a social media business and you haven't started it yet that the the, the ship has sailed and you've you've missed it?
0: Yeah, I probably am saying that. Yeah, I mean, I think if you look at it like there is once in a generation opportunity to create media brands. I mean. A lot of newspapers were created 150 plus years ago. A lot of TV stations, 30, 40, 50 years ago. A lot of radio stations have a similar age profiling. Um, And I think with digital titles, I think the opportunity was there probably between 2006 and 2016. And I think that window has closed, yeah. And it's something we're aware of. Um, But look, that's not to say I'm not ignorant to the threat that could come. I think our biggest threat is, Traditional media work and out digital, and that's where I probably put, set most of my eyes in terms of how what we want to do. Because ultimately, <clears throat> what I would believe is the future of digital is traditional media done digitally. So it's not cats on treadmills, dogs on skateboards, user generated content the future is doing good long form stuff I mean you have this whole like sorry long form and short form but we have this whole misnomer that content like you know which is just leveled at the millennial and Gen Z generation which is like attention spans are terrible people only watch 30 seconds or a minute of content it's it's not it's a case if you've had a situation where the proliferation of smartphones means that if you're late for a coffee with me for five minutes then I will watch something and I'll probably only watch a, if there's a video I'll probably only have 30 seconds to a minute but I can go home and binge on YouTube and watch 45 minutes or I can come to, to work in my car or I can go for a run in the evening and I can listen to 45 minutes to an hour of curated stuff stuff that I'm interested in so what's going to happen in, in, in media is just incredibly interesting and we're at the forefront of that but but attention spans are linked to when people can access content not a case of that a young audience are unable to comprehend more than a minute and it's a slur on, on that younger demographic and it's completely wrong but you know it's peddled by traditional media and hmm. let them think it because we, we, we look, our ship will have sailed before they get to it Fair enough Now you were
2: saying that you don't think you'll be doing this forever will you be doing it in 10 years time?
0: Um, this business I don't know I mean I don't know I, I would say no I would say I won't be. Uh, No, because there's other opportunities. Like, what I am is I'm stuck to one thing. I don't have four or five businesses. I have this business. I'm not into the thing of, you know, you get a lot of aspiring entrepreneurs to come to me I'm doing I've these three businesses and I'm like Jesus just stick with one build one and do it right you know don't get distracted if I had and we you know I've had so many people come to a business opportunity X business opportunity Y ultimately I'm a stage where my brand is actually quite well known in Ireland so if I was to get involved in another business and that business has an issue I'm the one that will it, get the, the, the detractors or I'll get the publicity. So I've got to be very, very careful in that. But ultimately, no, I would say that I probably won't be involved in, in 10 years time in this business. Will I be running business? Will I be involved in business? Will it, will it potentially be media business? Absolutely. Could I be? Potentially, you just don't know. I mean, uh, I think a lot of people keep you know saying, when are you going to take a big che- paycheck and... and uh, head off into sunset and it's like this ludicrous notion that retiring at 40 is uh, an aspiration it's not for me I will work till I'm 80 because ultimately I want to keep my mind active and I want to keep my mental health strong because that's that's what's steadying me well a busy mind is a happy mind that's the way I would look at it
2: You're, you're a bundle of energy Niall do you, do you find it hard to find people who are quite on your wavelength
0: <laughs> I'm actually, I'm, I'm hyping myself up for this. I'm not actually uh, this <laughs> frantic. I'm trying to get as much information out as I can. Um, no, I don't. I don't want to find like, people. you know, via the, the EOY network? Yeah, it's been fantastic. I mean, I obviously went on that last year and it's genuinely the case of when I got, like for me, when I got nominated for that, I actually thought this is a big deal because I had grown up watching the show and then the alumni um, part of it is just, that's the biggest that's the biggest thing because you genuinely are this 500 it's, it's, if you're in that bundle you're in with the top entrepreneurs in the country like everyone who has been through the programme has like set up a really successful business household names and I've, I'm glad to be part of that community but ultimately I do find there's plenty of people in our line of work plenty of people working for me that are the exact same energy or if not more but ah, if the energy goes I'll go but <laughs> the energy is, is there in full effect and will be for a lot longer It's time to get back to work no, <laughs> yeah. oh, well, Gary. Thanks Thank very you. much. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you.
2: Thank you for joining us today on the Architects of Business. Thanks to our guest, Niall McGarry, our producer, Patrick Hawhey, and all of the team here at Joe. Our programme is made in partnership with EY Entrepreneur of the Year. Go to eoy.ie to learn more about the finalists for this year. And don't miss out on past or future shows by subscribing for free on iTunes, on your favourite Android podcast app, or you can watch the show on YouTube. Plenty more Joe shows to choose from too, including Ireland Unfiltered with Dion Fanning and Baz and Andrews, House of Rugby. I'm Ty rice Thanks so much for being with us today and I hope to see you again soon. Bye-bye.
1: The Architects of Business on Joe in partnership with the EY Entrepreneur of the Year programme telling the story of Ireland's leading entrepreneurs across the island of Ireland.